covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. I am recording this on late Sunday night. And as I record this, the Brewers are once again alone in first place in the National League Central. Brewers winning on Sunday, the Cubs losing on Sunday. You put those two things together, and the Brewers have a one-game lead as of 11.07 p.m. on the evening of Sunday, June 16th. That's always a good way to start out the podcast. Uh, If you want to get in contact with me as we get some of the housekeeping items taken care of here at the top, you can always uh, find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you uh, want to leave a ranking or review and subscribe to this podcast, if you are someone who listens via Apple Podcasts, that would be very, very much appreciated. On the podcast this week, Kyle Lesneski, the managing editor of Brew Crew Ball. He is our social media conversation. We will have that coming up in just a few minutes later on, on the podcast. Garrett Green, the broadcaster for the Biloxi Shuckers, the AA affiliate for the Brewers, will join us. Biloxi, not only are they hosting the All-Star Game this week, they have nine, count them, nine players in the All-Star Game, which is, that's really impressive. It is tough to get nine players onto a single roster. I mean, that is a, that's a large percentage of a roster making it uh, onto the All-Star team. So good stuff for the Biloxi Shuckers, and we'll get more information about them coming up in just a bit. As I look back at this past week, I really feel like kind of two storylines continue to be the big things that we're talking about on just about an everyday basis. Uh, The first one is Jimmy Nelson. Uh, the the sam- I, I don't want to make any sort of big statement right now about Jimmy Nelson. The, the sample size for me is just not there yet. We're talking about a guy who's two starts into a season. I, I'm well aware of the fact that it is alarming that in each of his first two starts, he has just rolled along, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, effectiveness is just out the window. If that does continue for another start or two... I think it's something that we need to pay a lot more attention to and the Brewers need to pay attention to it and perhaps some sort of change of course needs to be made. I don't think we're there quite yet, at least for me. Again, I'm a, I hate making these wide-ranging statements off just a small amount of, uh, of data. I think it'd be funny to be able to go back and listen to the post-game shows after games, you know, a week into the season, two weeks into the season, because things that exist at that point in time, it's just it's just early season stuff, and that's not really who the team is. You know, it's not like we can start doing post-game shows a month into the season, but we we don't we can't make really any big statement about Jimmy Nelson. We can say that him losing effectiveness or the ability to be effective. Uh, all of a sudden, now nowhere through his first two starts is alarming. It is worth keeping an eye on, and we revisit. And maybe it's something we revisit next week. I think clearly if it continues to happen, then the Brewers have a very interesting decision to make after uh, Nelson has been through everything that he's been through to get back to the big leagues. And it, it all of a sudden becomes a question of, do you let this guy try to work through these things at the major league level when you're trying to win a division and more? Or do you do something with him, move him to AAA, whatever it might be, and try to let him work through things at another location? We're a little early for that conversation. I'm not really going to go down that path. We'll get into it a little bit with Kyle Lesneski uh, later on, get his thoughts on it. But I do think it's a little early for that conversation. I also think it's worth watching what's going to happen here with Jesus Aguilar and Travis Shaw. And it's so it's kind of funny, not ha-ha funny, but peculiar funny, that Travis Shaw and Jesus Aguilar are so connected to Keston Hira and his either being on or being off the roster when they don't play the, uh, the same position. But that's the, that's the world of positionless baseball that we've gotten into where – Clearly, if Kest, if if Keston Hira was with the Brewers and it cost a Jesus Aguilar or it cost a Travis Shaw their roster spot, 
everything could kind of be moved around and the team would be fine. So it's no longer a situation where if you're going to move on from a second baseman, you got to bring up a middle infielder. If you're going to move on from a third baseman, you got to have another third baseman. Same thing with first base. There's so many inner dispersing parts that's not even a word but you know what I'm saying Uh, so many different uh, parts that can do different things that you can focus in on the guys who are struggling and then bring somebody up and readjust the roster and where everybody's going to play at that point moving forward I think it's notable watching these guys Um, Travis Shaw since he's been back he's hit 250 if you get rid of the the game where he went 0 for 6, the game that Justin Verlander started, uh, what was that? Uh, that was game two of the Houston uh, series where they did end up winning that game, but he went 0 for 6, and some of that was against Verlander. And I know you can't just pick and choose what games count and what games don't count, but the point being, if you get rid of the Verlander game and take that 0 for 6 off of his uh, line since he has been back, he's hitting better than 300. He's getting on base uh, about half the time. So his numbers are clearly significantly better since he has a return from the injury, the time at AAA. Jesus Aguilar has still struggled. He did hit a home run on Sunday. Uh, You're hopeful that that home run can turn into something. He turned on it. He was able to pull that home run. It went to left field. That was his first pull home run this season. Doesn't have a bunch of home runs, but he's gone the other way with all of them. And it just, he looked like Jesus Aguilar. That sweet, easy, quiet swing that when it hits the ball, it just knocks the living you-know-what out of it and gets it out of there. I I think it's always dangerous to have a guy have one game or a week or something and say, okay, he's back. So I'm not going to say that with Aguilar, but what I will say is it's a good sign, it's a good indication that he at least hit that home run and kind of looked like Jesus Aguilar of old. All right, so again, uh, on the program this week, we are going to be joined by Kyle Lesneski. Also, we joined by uh, Garrett Green. But first, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. All right, not a ton of stuff to get to uh, this week. A small move made by the Brewers. They trade Jake Petrushka to the Texas Rangers for a player to be named or cash. Uh, he had just kind of fallen down on the relief pitching depth chart. He wasn't on the 40-man roster anymore, and the Brewers were just doing right by him, putting him in a situation where he has a better chance to pitch at the big league. So good on the Brewers. Uh, they're comfortable with their bullpen depth, and they gave Patricia an opportunity to go play somewhere else where he's got a better chance to get to the big league. So that was a, I think that's a classy move by the Brewers and good on them. Uh, we'll see what they get back. You know, player to be named or cash. Like, they gave him away. Essentially, they gave him away, uh, and they were just giving him the opportunity to go uh, pitch somewhere else where there's a, a better opportunity. On the injury front, Yolish Shasin is set to be activated on Monday. By the time you were listening to this podcast, potentially that has already happened. Gio Gonzalez has been throwing on flat ground, but there has not yet been a decision on when he might get onto a mound. So he's got to get onto a mound, and then at that point he'll be out long enough that I think he'll go on a rehab assignment. You know, Chassin was on, uh, was just barely on the injured list, so they can bring him back without putting him on a rehab assignment. I feel like for Geo, he's going to be out long enough once he comes back that sending him out on a rehab assignment probably makes sense. Those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, does continue on. Right now it is time for our social media conversation. We welcome back on to the podcast Kyle Lesneski. He is the managing editor over at Brew Crew Ball. Kyle, always uh, good to talk to you. We are uh, speaking on the evening of uh, Sunday, so the evening of Father's Day. Uh, Wish you a happy Father's Day. How are you? I'm good, and I will wish you a happy first Father's Day as well. I hope uh, hope that there was some memories created for you today with your first Father's Day. Yeah, absolutely. It was certainly uh, it was certainly a fun day. Guide to get out of the uh, house a little early as uh, Brewers uh, were playing a day game, as is normally the case uh, on Sundays, and uh, Brewers were able to find a way to win a game against San Francisco and avoid getting swept. 
it seems, um, I, and I'm not trying to make excuses for the team or anything, but I kind of have to almost chuckle because when they played the Marlins uh, the last time out, the Marlins were playing their best baseball of the year, and the Marlins are not a very good team. Now they play the Giants. They lose two out of three to a not very good San Francisco team, but they had won a couple in a row before that series. They're playing their best baseball of the year. It's going to happen over the course of a 162-game season, but after playing the schedule that the Brewers had played, they finally get to a point with some lesser teams, and of course they catch them when those teams are actually playing some pretty good baseball. Yeah, you know, it's just just one of those things. Every team is going to go through some up periods and some down periods and all that kind of stuff, and ultimately you hope that your team has more up periods than down periods, but over the course of 162, there's going to be peaks and valleys. And I mean, if you think back to last season, there was like a hundred game stretch basically in the middle of the season where the Purs played right around 500 baseball. So, so much of the season is just kind of surviving. Um, and I just kind of think that's sort of the mode that the Brewers are in now, just kind of grinding through the early days of summer. Let's get this out of the way first because the number one conversation continues to be when does Keston Hira come back? And I'm not going to ask that to you directly, but I'll, I'll take kind of a different route on it. A lot of, even though they don't play the same position, a lot of people connect Keston Hira being at AAA with the fact that Jesus Aguilar and Travis Shaw are both taking 25 man roster spots. And again, they don't play the same position, but the way the Brewers' roster is put together, uh, it would that they'd be fine and that would be the move we saw Aguilar hit a home run on Sunday Travis Shaw has actually played relatively well since coming back I was looking at the numbers uh, Sunday night if you get rid of the 0 for 6 that he had in the Verlander game against Houston he's hitting about 333 since coming back so uh, it's it's a little better than what it was but how much rope do you give either one of those guys before you really start to clamor for a Keston Hira to return um, I would have to say that Shaw is probably the safer of the two right now, um, just because of the different things that he provides to the team. Um, he's a left-handed bat, which which uh, Craig Council obviously likes to have in his lineup as much as possible. Um, he plays a, a more premium defensive position at third base than than Jesus Aguilar does, and you know by all accounts he does a pretty pretty good job over there at third base. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, he's actually been swinging a pretty decent bat since uh, he came back from his injured list. And um, another two hits today, uh, coming into today, I think he had something like a 105 uh, weighted runs graded plus since returning from the injured list. And um, that's obviously not, you know, quite to the same standard that he had the previous two years with Milwaukee. But, you know, it's certainly a vast improvement over what he was doing over the first couple of months of the season. So, um, Shaw seems to be, you know, kind of trending in the right direction. Um, Aguilar had the big home run today. Um, but I guess it's, it's harder to say at this point that, you know, he's, he's taking positive steps. Um, hopefully the, the big, no doubt home run he had today, which he, he really crushed that ball. Um, hopefully this can be uh, a little bit of a, of a takeoff point for him. Uh, hopefully some kind of turning point for him. Um, but it just, it just really seems like they're not looking for ways to, I guess, get his bat into the lineup at this point. Obviously, Eric Thames has kind of taken over more of the, of the regular playing time there as it's evolved into sort of a platoon sort of situation. But then, you know, even against the, uh, the start against Madison Baumgartner on Saturday, um, they ended up going with Yasmani Grandal over at first base instead of um, sticking Aguilar out there against the left-handed Baumgartner. So, you know, maybe some of that kind of stuff makes you think that the Brewers are exploring what a post-Aguilar roster might look like. Um, but then he goes out and hits the home run today, so maybe he buys himself a little bit more time. But um, I got to imagine that, at least with Aguilar, you know, there uh, unless something starts trending in the right direction quickly, that uh, he's probably going to run out of rope over there a lot more quickly than Shaw will. I don't know about you. I like the idea of playing Grandal at first because it keeps his bat in the lineup. It gets him out from behind the plate for a game. The only the only place it can hurt you is uh, you have to keep him in the game. You can't really double switch him out because he's going to be the backup catcher. But overall, I think there's a lot of benefit to having him over at first base on occasion. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly got the bat to, um, to play over there at first base. Um, 
And, you know, like you said, it's a good way to keep his bat in the lineup. Um, the only thing that, that makes me a little bit wary is, you know, this is a guy who's caught just about every day this season. I mean, he's got to be up there in terms of, um, you know, how many starts he's made at catcher and all that kind of stuff. So um, that uh, over the course of a long season can, can really wear guys down. Um, and it's nice to have those days off that are, you know, unless you're pinch hitting or, or you you know you need to come into the game as a late inning defensive replacement or something like that, having a full day off I think is is a big difference than you know just getting a day off from being behind the plate but still having to start at first base and um, you know play a play a full nine inning game over there. So um, you know, like you said, it is a good way to to keep his bat in the lineup. But um, I guess I would rather them not do that too often and, and make sure that Grandal is getting the rest days that, um, that he probably needs in order to keep himself fresh, fresh over the course of a, of 162 game season and hopefully a deep playoff run. It seemed le- let's go to a world where Jesus Aguilar does not come out of, uh, what he's got going on. Eric Thames, they've done a really good job, I think, at picking and choosing spots to get him in there. And they've increased the workload as the season has gone on, as you allude to, are you confident with him being more than just a platoon first baseman, but playing a lot over there, no matter if it's a righty or a lefty on the mound? Um, you know, in a in a small sample size this year, Thames has actually put together some pretty strong statistics against left-handers. I believe he actually has a higher um, weighted runs created plus against lefties than he does against righties, at least coming into today's action. Um, but you know, over the last couple of years, he's proven over a larger sample size that um, being overexposed to lefties is, is something that can give him trouble and that can drag his batting line down. Um, but I guess the way that the roster is constructed overall, I'm not necessarily worried about if they were to move on from Aguilar, um, figuring out a way to get some production against a left-handed pitcher from that spot. Um, if, you know, if it was a matter of them getting rid of Aguilar to bring up Keston Hira, um, then, you know, you would think that Hira is going to start at second base pretty regularly, which means Moustakis could start over at third base against left-handers because he doesn't really have much of a platoon split. And then that leaves somebody like Hernan Perez to potentially start at first base against a left-handed pitcher, and he really mashes against Southpaws, especially this season. So um, th- there's different ways that they can that they can kind of you know, counteract and, and balance out all that sort of stuff when it comes to ref, left-handed versus uh, right-handed matchups. Um, so I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily let anything like that be, uh, you know, a, a hindrance towards making a move on Aguilar one way or the other. Uh, but, I, I mean, overall, I do feel pretty pretty good about Eric Thames taking the lion's share of at-bats over there. Um, he's certainly shown that, that he's a guy who can hit right-handed pitching pretty well, and, you know, you're going to see more righties than lefties, so that, that's a pretty valuable position for him to be in. Much like you, and at least I think much like you, I am a sample size guy where I try not to take too much out of a, a limited uh, availability of, of information and statistical data. So I, I hate even having this conversation because it's been two starts, and I don't think we can take anything away from Jimmy Nelson through two starts. And we could almost be chuckling at this conversation a month from now, but that being said, we have to talk about him, and all we have is two starts to go on. What do you make of two starts and him just hitting a proverbial wall where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just seemingly loses his effectiveness? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously something that is is pretty concerning. Uh, In his minor league rehab starts, it it wasn't quite in the the third or fourth inning, but it seemed like he would get through five innings um, down in his AAA starts and then, you know, kind of have the same sort of thing where all of a sudden he loses command or his velocity goes down or something like that. And um, it, it just seems like he's still, I don't know if, it, if it's a psychological thing or if it's a physical thing, but there's just kind of a hurdle that, that he still needs to get over um, in terms of, of working a little bit deeper into a game. And um, maybe it's one of those things that comes with that comes with a little bit more time and a few more starts. Um, but at the same time, the Brewers are in a competitive mode and they don't necessarily have a whole lot of leash that, that they can give to somebody like that. And, you know, I, I, ideally, Jimmy Nelson is, is playing 
significant role for the team this year because you know we know what this guy was before and we know how hard he worked just to get back to pitching at the major league level and and all the trials and tribulations that he went to went through both on and off the field and you know it, it's he's really obviously a guy that's very easy to root for and and I don't think there's anybody that doesn't want to see him be successful um but you know he's he's just working to come back from a lot and there hasn't I don't think ever been a pitcher that's come back and been successful from the the combination of injuries and surgeries that he required um so you know it, it's like he's going to get at least one more start um, this week, and as Yolich uh, Sinas works back into the rotation, and eventually Gio Gonzalez is is ready to get back to action, um, I think they'll kind of reassess where things are at then. Um, but you know, I, I think Craig Council uh, said something earlier today along the lines of you know we we hope that Jimmy Nelson is able to play a part in the starting rotation this year, but it didn't sound like you know he was. Um, he was ready to commit to a long-term spot for Nelson in the rotation, depending on how things kind of shake out in terms of his performance. So, um, you know, he, like I said, he's a guy that that's really easy to root for. He's a guy that everybody wants to see as being successful, but um, the velocity just hasn't—it hasn't been the same as what he was, and um, he's had some some pretty significant command issues as he were as he's worked deeper in the games. So, um, just just one of those things where he's going to kind of either figure out how to get past this hurdle or he's going to have to go and work things out probably in in AAA. It really is a tough situation for the club because 21, 22 months of rehab, we all remember who he was before. So many false starts, you know, starting with last year, the original thought that, hey, maybe he'd be ready after the All-Star break. And then the thought was, okay, he'll be ready late in the season. Maybe he can get uh, an inning here, inning there at the end of the season and go into a regular offseason. And then you get into spring training and he's still not a full participant at the beginning of spring training. And then he finally gets to pitching, but he's not ready to come all the way back. So they, they have him actually at AAA, not just on a rehab assignment. Like, there's the path for him has been so crazy, and then it gets to a point where you recognize he's been through a ton, and there's no reason to expect that he's just going to be Jimmy Nelson from two years ago, and he's going to need time to go ahead and get back to that point if he ever does get back to that point. But trying to get him there at the big league level is a really, really tough proposition. Right, and especially with the other issues that the Brewers have had as far as their starting pitching has been, um, you know, if uh, if you know Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta had both looked a lot better as starting pitchers, and there was a lot more certainty in the in the rotation, um, you know, I'm I'm sure that it would be a lot easier for them to commit giving Nelson a longer leash and giving him multiple starts. But you know, in a in a time where it it doesn't feel like you know even two or three, you know, starters that you can count on, I guess, with, with regularity. Um, it, it's just a, a tenuous situation right now for the Brewers in, in the rotation kind of after Davies and Woodruff um, with the other injuries and stuff that have gone on. So um, that that just, you know, is, is a whole other added layer to this sort of issue, and that's something that's, that's totally out of Jimmy Nelson's hands. So um, the only things that he can do are is – is work his hardest and, and go out there and try his best. And, um, you know, it just remains to be seen whether his best is, is good enough for what the Brewers need for the rest of the season. There's a lot of people out there that would like to see some sort of piggyback situation where whether it's a Freddie Peralta, I think Peralta would be the guy. I don't think you want to hold off Adrian Hauser, but you have somebody else ready to go to eat innings on those Nelson days. I know I'm interviewing you and getting your thoughts, but I'll, I'll, tell you my thoughts on it and then get your take on it I think especially in a period right now where they have one off day between now and the all-star break for me it's really tough to give two roster spots essentially to one position where you're asking for starters innings from a combined two guys where you have to hold one of those guys back and whether it is a an Adrian Hauser or a Corbin Burns or any any other of these former starters that are in the bullpen that's tough because you're when these guys pitch a lot of times they need a day or two to bounce back and you got to have multiple arms where guys can come back on an everyday basis so i 
I understand why there's people out there that would love to see a piggyback situation with Nelson. I think it hamstrings your bullpen too much to hold two guys for one day. What say you? Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you put it that way, it basically takes what would be a 13-man pitching staff and and puts it into sort of a and puts it into a 12-man pitching staff because you, you know, you need to count on having two guys for that one game every fifth day. Um, so it it, it kind of stinks with the off-day situation and all that sort of stuff because if you think about it um, in a broader perspective, working as an opener or something along those lines would, would almost be the ideal role for, for Jimmy Nelson right now. Because he, I mean, in his, in his two starts, uh, he's, he's looked pretty good at the beginning of his, of his starts. Um, especially yesterday, he came out firing pretty good those first couple of innings. Um, so if, if there was a way that they could make it work where, you know, they just kind of plan on Nelson, maybe going the first three innings and then somebody coming in after that, um, that, in a in a broader sense, that that would probably be an ideal situation. But as you mentioned, the way that the off days kind of work out between now and the All Star break, it is tough for them to commit to um, to commit to a scenario like that. Um, especially as you know, their their bullpen their bullpen isn't quite as flexible now as it's been in years past. Um, as far as guys who have minor league options and all that sort of stuff goes, so you know, it would it would come down to having to kind of turn Corbin Burns into more of a, a shuttle sort of pitcher and, and be a little bit more aggressive in, in sending guys back and forth like Jacob Barnes and um, Taylor Williams and maybe bringing back a guy like Donnie Hart and all that sort of stuff. And it would just be a whole lot of moving parts. And um, ultimately, it would be a lot easier if somebody can just come in and, and take that roster or that um, last spot in the starting rotation and kind of make it their own and and hopefully that's the way that things go maybe once Gio Gonzalez is is um, back off the injured list um, but yeah you know like I said it just it just kind of stinks because it it feels like that would be a really great role for Jimmy Nelson right now as he works back from injury where it's he's not somebody who is going to go out and be able to throw you seven innings every every five days or whatever um, but he's a guy who can come out and, you know, it looks like he can give you at least a couple of strong innings if, if he comes in with, with a good amount of rest. Um, so that's, you know, something that they're, that they're going to kind of have to take into consideration. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, unless he can kind of figure out to get over that hump, I think that, that it'll end up him being more at, at uh, AAA and maybe serving as pitching depth for the rest of the season. I'll finish you off with this as – this right now, as we're talking, the Cubs and Dodgers are playing. I believe it's a one-run game. The Dodgers have the lead in the ninth inning. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. By the time people are listening to this, this game's going to be long gone. But if the Dodgers are able to hold on here in the ninth inning on Sunday, unlike they did uh, on Saturday, the Brewers will be alone in first place in the NL Central. Are they? It's the nature of the beast. When, especially on a team that's contending, you focus on sometimes on the things that they could get better at because you you don't want those to be the things that maybe prevent them from competing at the highest level at the end of the season. But all that being said, is this team getting the credit that it deserves for the level of baseball that it has played this year? Um. Boy, that's that's kind of a tough one, I guess, because you know, I everybody kind of assumed that that they would be a contender coming into this season. And, you know, that's, that's certainly what they've been so far. I've been right around first place for, for pretty much the whole of the season. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't feel like, I guess, a lot of the times the way that we talk about the team and the different frustrations that we have, it doesn't feel like um, they've, they're a first-place club or they've, you know, kind of been sitting right around first place all year. Um, and I, I think a lot of that comes from, the struggles that they had, especially in the beginning of the season, um, the way that their pitching staff struggled in the starting rotation and all that sort of stuff. There's still that perception that the pitching staff is, you know, going through all these mighty struggles and all that kind of stuff. When in reality, um, at least since, since around the time that they signed Joe Gonzalez around the end of April, they've actually been right around the middle of the pack pitching staff, uh, maybe even a little bit better than that uh, since, since around that time. So, Things have really kind of um, evened out as far as those performances go, and um, you know, like I said, so much of the baseball season is just kind of grinding through the schedule and and um, 
getting to the next getting to the next day, getting to the next game and weathering the weathering the proverbial storm until you hit that next hot streak. And um, you know, we've seen the Brewers go on some some uh pretty nice hot streaks so far this season and it just feels like, you know, right now they're they're maybe in a little bit of a lull and uh just kind of biding time until that until that next time where, you know, every phase of the game is clicking for them. So um, you know, I guess, you know, maybe we aren't giving them exactly the credit that they deserve because on the whole they've they've been a pretty solid baseball team. They have a they have a pretty good offense and and their pitching has uh overcome a lot of the issues that they demonstrated early on in the season. So um if they can continue to kind of weather the storm and, and hang out uh, you know, around the top of the standings, uh it probably won't be too long here before um we start talking about what sorts of reinforcements they'll bring in and all that sort of stuff. Um you know, it wasn't until after the All-Star break or after the trade deadline, even last year, that that things really started to click and and that they went on that big hot streak to end the season. Um, so, you know, there there's plenty of time for them to to get on that big hot streak and and get their you know win totals way up there and all that sort of stuff. But that'll come in time, and that'll probably come with it with another addition or two um, here and there around the roster. So, you know. Like I said, just just one of those things, kind of weathering the storm right now, and, and waiting for the next hot streak. Uh, always so much content going up at uh, Brew Crew Ball. You and your staff do an incredible job. Tell uh, our listeners uh, what people can find right now. Um, with the uh, MLB draft having having uh, come and gone in the last couple of weeks, um, our prospect guru Brad Ford has been. Uh, working a lot with getting some interviews with uh, some of the most recent prospects will be added to the to the Brewers system. Um, so you can catch up on anything that you might have missed with the draft and, and get to know a lot of the new guys who will be joining the system. Um, our uh, draft tracker is, is still up on the site, so you can follow along there and uh, keep up with um, the guys who have signed and uh, any bonus information and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, kind of now as we get into the nitty-gritty of the season, we're getting to the point where we've got a big enough sample size to start diving in and doing some um, some deep statistical looks at, at guys who may be overperforming or underperforming this season and, and you know, uh, where to go forward with all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, of course, we, you know, we cover the minor leagues every day and uh, always got updates on that and um, look, in, uh, look ahead. Uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, I'm working with... Uh, a double A pitcher for the Brewers, Aaron Kurtz, who they signed out of Mexico this year. I'm working on uh, trying to put together an interview with him, so that that should be up on the site within the next couple of weeks. Just waiting to get uh, get some stuff back from him. I, I lied. I, one more thing. I think I see you comment on this sometimes. The Brewers seem to keep signing guys out of uh, out of independent ball. I love independent ball because I was an independent ball broadcaster for two years, and I think it's got a great place in baseball. Do you like the fact that they uh, seem to scour indie ball for guys? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, there, there's been uh, a lot of pretty interesting guys and interesting stories that they've gone out and then picked up. Um, Luke Barker uh, was a guy that they signed out of independent ball a couple of years ago, and he um, ended up winning the uh, Carolina League Reliever of the Year last year while he was uh, the closer for the uh, Mudcats. Uh, and then he was just named to the the Southern League All Star team again this summer. So um, he's somebody who was undrafted and and played in independent ball. The Brewers plucked him up, and he he looks like he's a guy who's who's got a pretty good chance to pitch in the big leagues. So um, there there's a lot of stories like that that's kind of peppered throughout the minor league system. I want to say they're probably up to close to a dozen guys that they signed out of independent ball um, in the last few years uh, under David Stern. And that's something that that I keep that I keep up with pretty closely. So. Um, you know, it, it's exciting for me. It's exciting for me to see um, the different ways that they go out and they find these that they find these pitchers because that seems to be something that uh, under under the David Stern regime that the organization has really kind of zeroed in on and improved is is the way that they develop their pitchers. So um, I'm always interested to see where they scour talent from and and which guys they think that they can do stuff with. So I, it's always fun for me to dive into those kinds of those kinds of players and their profiles. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I'm glad I thought about asking you that here at the end. Well, uh, Kyle, it's always great to uh, get your thoughts, and especially on Father's Day, getting some uh, some of your time is really appreciate, appreciated, and uh, we look forward to having you on the podcast again real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Always appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat with you. 
The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Experience, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile as we go down on the farm. And this is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, we're, it's always good to talk with uh, Garrett Green, the broadcaster of the Biloxi Shuckers. But a little bit of a uh, different kind of themed conversation today because they are getting set for the All-Star Game in Biloxi, and the Shuckers have nine representatives on the team. So really, our conversation today is going to be mostly focused on that and, and those nine guys. Garrett, I really thank you uh, for taking some time. I know stuff is really, really busy for you right now. How are you? I'm doing well, Matt. No, I, I always have time to, to take a little bit of time out of the day and chat with you guys. And with the way that this team has been playing and, and the, uh, the caliber of guys that we have, I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. Let's, uh, so as a, I'm going to kind of roll back the curtain a little bit on minor league baseball because I, I spent a lot of time in minor league baseball. And as a broadcaster, when you're there doing every single game, you live for the all-star break. It's the best time of the year. It's three days away from everything. You don't get that this year, but uh, you don't get it because of something pretty cool. Uh, you guys are hosting uh, the all-star game. What's that uh, What's that process been like, and what is it like for you getting ready for it? It has been a, a almost a year worth of work to get ready for it. Um, we knew in advance that we were going to be hosting the all-star game uh, last season, and so we actually went to Birmingham when the Barons hosted the All-Star game last year. So I kind of didn't get an All-Star break last year either because we were covering it. Of course, we had eight guys who, who participated in the game last season as well. Um, so we've been, we observed, and, and it's been a lot of planning to make sure that we have great events planned, not just for the players, but for the fans. And, and the best way to showcase everything that we have to offer in Biloxi um, on the Mississippi coast and also... Uh, obviously that the Shuckers organization has to offer. We've got great events planned. It's not just on Tuesday. We're doing it Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we're going to have a home run derby. That should be streamed on MILB.TV uh, so folks can see a couple of Shuckers who are supposed to participate in that. Uh, that's going to be at 5.30 on Monday night. And then obviously the game on Tuesday uh, should be incredibly exciting. But there has been a mountain of work that's gone into it, uh, but I think that the payoff is, is going to be well worth it. Six Shuckers were initially named, and then three more were named to the roster later. When, when I saw that at first, when I saw the six Shuckers, I'm like, I wonder if everybody's still going to be there, because you see so much movement in minor league baseball, and not only are they all still there, three more get added. In the back of your mind, do you think maybe the Brewers have kind of supported this by making sure to keep guys there, or is that just kind of the way it all worked out? You know, I think they have, to be frankly honest. I, I have not spoken with anybody at the higher level, but I think that they have left some guys here um, who have performed very well and given them an opportunity to stay because they know that we're putting on a home exhibition. Um, at the same time, we have not had a lot of roster movement this year. I think that for the entirety of the first half, we've had a grand total of 31 transactions, and that's a very low number in minor league baseball, and especially considering that some of it has been you know, transferring guys to the rookie roster to make space for a new guy who comes in or, or a guy you know, landing on the injured list for a few days and then coming back. I mean, that counts as two transactions. So to be honest, we just haven't had a lot of movement this year, and I think that a big piece of that also comes from the fact that right now there's, there's not a lot of space to, to move up. I mean, the, also, the outfield up in AAA is pretty crowded. The infield is pretty crowded at AAA right now. Um, and obviously the pitching staff is pretty full as well. So there's not a ton of upward mobility at the moment right now. Uh, but I also think that a, a couple of guys who have probably performed well enough to earn a promotion up to AAA are going to be allowed to stick around here simply so they can pitch in the All-Star game or play in the All-Star game. Uh, let's go through the All-Stars. Nine guys. We'll start with Patrick Leonard. This is someone, he's having a great year. This is his third career midseason All-Star. He's been uh, a AAA All-Star at one point when he was uh, in the International League uh, with the Durham Bulls. So really, I mean, for, for a guy with his resume and what he's accomplished, it seems like he's doing the sort of things that you would have expect, expected him to do. He is, and, and this year you can tell he's got a little bit of a different approach at the plate. Um, his, his home run numbers are down, but he's, he's top two in the league in doubles. Um, his batting average is up at 316, I believe, coming into today. 
Uh, and, and he's a guy who the on-base percentage has been through the roof this year. I believe he's got the best on-base percentage of his career right now. So with the fact that he signed with the Brewers and he, he was sent down here to double-A, I think you've seen him change his approach a little bit, not as much swing and miss, um, and really great contact. And the other thing that um, I, I think gets overlooked so much, and, and I try and harp on it on the broadcast every night, is that he is an outstanding first baseman. Uh, he hasn't committed an error all season long for the Shuckers, which when you consider that, I'm pretty sure he leads the Southern League in total chances, and he hasn't mm. committed an error, is, is just phenomenal. Um, he's as sure-handed as they come at first. He makes the tricky plays. He makes them look routine, uh, and he has been great as a veteran presence for the Shuckers in the middle of their lineup and also defensively in the field. So he's performed how you would expect, but I think we've seen a guy who, who really has evolved and understands what he needs to do to step back up to AAA and ultimately hopefully make his major league debut. Always cool for guys when they get that first-ever All-Star selection, and that's the case for uh, Weston Wilson, who's having a nice season. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, West came out of the gate – Really hot in the month of April. He won Player of the Month in the Southern League, uh, won Player of the Weekend there at one point. He cooled off a little bit in the month of May, but, uh, you know, sometimes the stats don't tell the full story. And, and when a guy might go down as 0 for 4, I remember very vividly a game that he had uh, a couple of weeks ago where he went 0 for 4 and he barreled up every single ball. He just hit it right at a guy all four times, and we hopped on the bus and went on the road, and uh, I overheard him say, that's the best 0-4 game that I've ever had. So, you know, there's still been good contact, there's still been quality play, and especially considering he's played left, right, second, third, and a little bit of shortstop, oh, and first base for the Shuckers as well. So everything but on the mound, center field, and the catcher for Weston Wilson. So it's been very good to see for him and, and the kind of performance that he's had in the first half. Another guy to be excited about, and we're going to go through a few guys who are getting their first ever All-Star appearances, uh, Luis Avilius Jr. He's doing a nice job at the plate. Uh, when you look at the position he plays, uh, that that's you like to see somebody with nice uh, offensive, uh, a good offensive skill set there. So somebody for uh, Brewers fans to be excited about. Yeah, I think so. Luis is, you know, he's a 30th round pick, and so he's not a guy who gets a lot of, you know, prospect draw or anything like that. Uh, But he plays, uh, he's a very athletic shortstop. And the other thing, too, is that he's got 20 stolen bases this season. And so right now he's on pace to set a new career high in steals. Uh, After Michael O'Neill was promoted up to AAA, he moved into the leadoff spot, and for a guy who has historically, at least in his time in AA, hit more low, like bottom part of the order, somewhere in the 6-7-8 spot, uh, that chance to move into the leadoff spot, he has really flourished. He does a great job getting on base. He's got sneaky power, uh, and he's a guy who loves facing top-end competition. When a guy like Bruce Stark Radderall was on the mound for uh, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, he's one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball and throws 100 miles an hour. Uh, Luis got excited about that, and he was the only guy who got a hit off of him in one of our games. So when he faces the best competition, he really brings his A game. Uh, and, and he is someone who, you know, the numbers bear out that he's had a great year, and, and I think he's very deserving of, of an all-star nod. If you follow a lot of the prospect folks on Twitter, one of the uh, kind of the darlings of the system for many people is Trent Grisham. He's getting into his first all-star game. He leads the team in OPS at 875, and we know the Brewers love looking at OPS. So this is another person that, uh, you know, his batting average is okay. It's 254, but it seems like he does a whole lot of other things, including hitting home runs. Well, about a month ago, that batting average was down around 219, 220. That's where it bottomed out for Trent. And he didn't change anything at the plate, but about three weeks ago, I I don't know what happened, but the ball went from being the size of a pea to the size of a beach ball because he started tearing the cover off of the ball. Um, In a two-week span, he hit more home runs than he hit for the entirety of the 2018 season. I mean, everything uh, over the last month has just been on the barrel of the bat. He's been making hard contact. He's been putting together good at-bats. I think over his last 18 games, he struck out a grand total of six times. Um, He leads the Southern League in walks as well. And I've talked to Danny Santin, the hitting coach here this season for the Shuckers, and I asked him just point blank, 
what changed for Trent? And he said nothing. He has just kept his same approach uh, and, and ground through when he was struggling at the plate, and it all just finally clicked into place for him. And to see the way that he's been playing lately um, is very rewarding because I feel like it's all been there over the last couple of seasons, and now it's just all come together for him with the way that he's been swinging a bat. Uh, Trey Shupak's a guy who, man, he's putting up big numbers, 1.91 ERA so far this year. Uh, he, another person that there's so much excitement about uh, within people who watch what's going on uh, in the minor leagues. And this is his second straight midseason All-Star selection. He was a Carolina League All-Star uh, last year. He can't do much more than what he's doing right now. No, I, I don't think Trey has anything left to prove at this level. Um, and it's it is amazing to watch in an era where, you know, velocity is valued and, and you're looking for guys who have plus, plus, plus pitches, whether it's a, a curveball or a high-velocity fastball. I, I think that Trey Shupak just has to be the most aggravating guy for every other team to face because he's not going out there and overpowering you with anything. His fastball sits, you know, in the in the high 80s to the low 90s. Uh, he works a good changeup, has a good curveball, has a good slider. But the biggest thing is that he doesn't make mistakes in the strike zone, and everything is right on the edges. He pounds the zone, and he just gets weak contact. And and as a result, uh, you can pretty much pencil him in for six or seven innings and one run or fewer almost every time out. I need to go back through and look, but I'm pretty sure that he's thrown three perfect innings or three no-hit innings in what must be seven of his 12 starts so far this season. I mean, right out of the gate, he is just as locked in as they come, and, and he has looked phenomenal this season. Uh, and I, I wholeheartedly do not expect him to be here after the All-Star break. I will be surprised if he is back with the Shuckers once we, we wrap up in Adam Jim Park on June 18th. My favorite player on the team, and it's because he went to my alma mater, we're both Kansas State guys, is uh, Nate Greep. He's a 2 and 1, 1.59 ERA. He's got 14 saves this year. Sometimes he's not really considered one of those kind of sort of top level prospects, but all he does is keep uh, keep finding ways to be successful. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who now if you look at it this season, he's got 14 saves and 14 opportunities. He has 48 saves at AA and 51 opportunities. And he passed over, he got his 100th career save back on June 2nd against the Mississippi Braves. Um, in the month of May, he was named the, the Southern League Relief Pitcher of the Month. He made 12 appearances and gave up four base runners. Full stop. No runs allowed, two hits, two walks. That was it. He got seven saves in that span. Uh, I mean, he has come back this year, and, and last season, uh, the nickname around the clubhouse was Cardiac Leap because he'd give up a hit, he'd walk a guy, the, the tying run would get in the scoring position, but he'd always find a way to get out of it. This year, he has done that once for the entire entire time that he has been here. Everything else has been very efficient, one, two, three innings. Um, you know, last night he comes out uh, in a non-save situation. He gives up a walk and immediately gets a 4-6-3 double play to face just three in the inning. Um, so I, I think that the, the consensus was that the Brewers wanted to send him back to double A to bring his ERA down, to bring his walks down, uh, and to really elevate those numbers. And he has done all of that this season. And, and he's another guy who... Um, especially with a bullpen spot freeing up at AAA with the trade the Brewers just made. Uh, I do not expect him to be here at AA for much longer. Let's go to the three that were added. So that was the initial six that were uh, announced when the roster was first announced, and then for various reasons, whether it's guys getting called up, injuries, whatever it might be, some roster spots came open, and three more shuckers make it on. Uh, the first one being Luke Barker, a pitcher who has appeared in 23 games this year, 1.48 ERA. He's got eight saves, so we talk about Greep and all the saves. I mean, that, that one-two combination at the back end of the bullpen is pretty solid. Yeah, it, uh, when I saw our initial roster this year, I just my jaw hit the floor with the fact that we were going to have Luke Barker and Nate Greep on the same roster. I mean, last year, Barker had 20 saves and 23 opportunities with Carolina. He was the Carolina League Relief Pitcher of the Year. Uh, he actually beat out Greep for the MILB Organizational All-Star for the relief pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, and uh, to be honest... Barker is a guy who should have been on the All-Star team to begin with. There is no reason that – the only reason that he was not is simply because 
Nate Grieve has more saves than him because he's the more established closer. But uh, Barker has been nothing short of phenomenal for Biloxi this season. And to be able to throw those two guys out, um, the Shuckers this year, if they have a lead after six innings, they're 32-1. and one. And that one loss came just a couple of nights ago. Um, so, I mean, with those two guys at the back end of the bullpen, it's been as locked down as you could possibly imagine. And Barker, uh, a guy who was undrafted out of college, has turned into a very dominant closer in the Brewers organization, and, and he's been so much fun to watch. And, again, I, I don't think he should have made it as an alternate. I think he should have been on the roster to begin with, but the fact that he made it there is all that matters. Johan Belisario has played in 14 games, nine starts, 6-0, and 2.83 ERA. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is fantastic, 48-13. to Has a 1.09 whip. There's another guy. I mean, maybe the 2.83 ERA in your league, That's uh, it, I know it's a pitcher's league, that's the only number, and that's not a bad ERA. But when you're talking about All-Stars, maybe that's why. But overall, his numbers across his line are, are really good. No, and and Belisario is a guy who, you know, he pitched for nine years at the Tigers organization. He signed when he was 16 years old. Um, and everything that he put up in the Tigers organization the last couple of seasons, I cannot comprehend why Detroit let him walk when he was a minor league free agent. But he started the year off, made four appearances out of the bullpen for Biloxi, didn't allow an earned run. They converted him to a starter, and, and all he did once he became a starter was you know, pitch at least five innings pretty much every time out. He had a couple of six scoreless innings appearances um, and really solidified a, a roster spot or a rotation spot for Biloxi that they, that they needed and turned into um, just a, a phenomenal pitcher. He's another guy who's just like Shupak. He doesn't really overpower you with anything, but he doesn't make mistakes in the strike zone. And and as you said, his walk to strikeout radio is ratio is fantastic. Um, and so he just attacks the zone for pitch pitcher and um, really utilizes his defense behind him. And and I think he was again another guy who's just very deserving of an All Star nod. I mean to to convert from a bullpen role to a starter role and right out of the gate win six of your first eight starts. Um, I think that just shows you what a, a gem the Brewers found when they signed them. All right, last All-Star, Dylan Thomas. If nothing else, this guy plays every day. He, he has played in more games than anybody else on the team this year with 65 games. Uh, hitting 270 or so, has a slugging percentage above uh, 400 OPS at, at 759. Uh, the, not somebody that's talked about a whole lot inside of the organization, so uh, tell fans about him. Well, that's because uh, Dylan comes from, from outside of the Brewers organization. I mean, he was originally drafted by the Colorado Rockies and then became a minor league free agent. And last season, actually played in the Independent American Association with the Texas Airhawks and put together great numbers there and, and was signed by the Brewers late, started the year with the Mudcats, but now he's here with Biloxi. Uh, he's a really good right fielder. Um, he hits the ball the other way very well. He's a left-handed bat, um, has good power, very aggressive on the bases. Um, he's always looking to take the extra base. Um, when he gets on, he's always looking to try and, and swipe second and maybe take third and just plays with an immense amount of hustle. And he's one of those guys who he's not top five in the league in a lot of categories, but he is top ten in the league in a lot of categories. RBIs, triples, um, on-base percentage, he's, he's hovering right there in the top ten for all of those. And has just been a very consistent player. Uh, you know, he's primarily a right fielder, but he can play out in center as well. Uh, and has just solidified an outfielding core for the Shuckers that you're asking yourself, okay, where, where do we go from – you know, Corey Ray, Troy Stokes Jr., and Trent Grisham last season. Well, the, the guys that they've plugged in have been very good this year for Biloxi. Get you out of here on this. Uh, just from a team standpoint, this is a team that wins the first half championship in the South Division of the Southern League. So already punching their ticket into the postseason at the end of the year. Has uh, has this team exceeded expectations for you? Or you, you talked earlier about seeing the roster and being excited about some things. Have they done what they were supposed to do? You know... They have exceeded my expectations, I will not lie. Um, this was a team that was going to be a little different this year. Last season, obviously, was full of a bunch of young guys who were all prospects. Um, this year was a more veteran group, and I think it just took them a little bit to mesh in the clubhouse. Um, you, you know, last season's team was a bunch of guys who they all got drafted either in the same year or a year apart from each other, so they had played in Wisconsin, they had played in Carolina, and they were getting to Biloxi, and, and they had really grown as a unit. This year, the month of April, and especially not having manager Mike Guerrero for the first month, 
Um, it, I think it took a little while for them to get everything clicking into place, but then the starting rotation solidified with Chupac and Belisario. Uh, Bowden Francis has been really good for Biloxi as well. Um, and when it all came together and solidified for the starting rotation, um, from there on out, um, this team just went on a tear. I think they won something like 22 out of 26 games. Um, so they they were just winning left and right. They won seven consecutive series. Um, and when it's all clicking on all cylinders, I think that that's what's been really impressive. And so they exceeded my expectations from what I saw for the first two weeks of the season. But once everything really came together and everybody started playing their role in the clubhouse, um, they, they're right on pace with what I would expect for a Mike Guerrero team. All-Star, uh, I, I, I want to say All-Star Weekend. It's not All-Star Weekend. It's All-Star Midweek. Uh, but if folks want to see the game, hear the game, the, you mentioned the home run derby. For folks not in Biloxi, what's the best way to take in as much of uh, the All-Star festivities as possible? So uh, I believe it's unfortunately still behind a paywall, but I can't emphasize this enough. Um, MILB.TV uh, right now they have a deal where I think it's only $30 to get it for the rest of the season. Um, so you can catch every Shuckers game when we're at home. Our feed is in HD, um, but that's also going to have the All-Star game. Uh, it's going to be in HD as well, so you can watch it there. We're supposed to air the Home Run Derby as well on Monday night, um, so both of those are available to you. Plus you can watch the AAA Club in San Antonio and any other minor league baseball team that has the ability for MILB.TV in their ballpark. Um, that's the way if you want to watch it. If you want to listen to the game, um, it's going to be on our flagship station. So if you just search for uh, Cruising WGCM or if you go to the Biloxi Shuckers um, tune-in feed uh, for the Shuckers Radio Network, you can listen into the game there. Um, we're going to have myself and my broadcast partner, Andrew Chapman, are going to be on the call. Um, we're going to have Tyler Springs, who's from the Jackson Generals. They've got a good number of all-stars. He's going to be there. We'll bring on a guest from Pensacola. We'll have the, the league president will join us at some point. Um, so we'll have a, a variety of voices talking about all of the best talent um, at AA. So, again, that's on TuneIn. You can catch us on MILB.TV uh, and also just uh, by searching for Cruising WGCM, um, our, our flagship station. I know as a member of the front office, a lot of your preparation is based off the, the actual event and everything. What's the process like if you've started at the preparation for the actual broadcast? Um, yeah, I, I have started that, uh, and just looking at the roster, the, the fortunate thing this year, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad it worked out this way, is that in the first half of the season, we have actually played all nine teams in the Southern League. And so at this point, outside of, I believe, two guys for the Birmingham Barons who we saw in the first week of the season, um, and Luis Robert is one of those guys. Outside of them, I have seen every other one of these players on the field at some point this season. So I already have a, a working knowledge of these guys in the back of my head. Um, but, no, to go through and, and see the, the guys who are on this list, I mean, from the Atlanta Braves, we've got you know the number one prospect in their system in Christian Pache. We've got the number three prospect in Ian Anderson. Um, Kyle Muller is on that list as well. Uh, you have guys like the number two prospect in the Reds organization, and Taylor Trammell is going to be down playing there. So there are some big names that your prep work is kind of already done for you if you keep up with minor league baseball. But um, there's certainly going to be a, a, a little bit of time over the next couple of nights where all the administrative stuff gets put to the side, and, and it's just you know diving very deep to where you have something unique to say about every single guy because they, they all deserve it for the fact that they've made it here to the All-Star game. You are incredibly gracious with your time. We're doing this prior to the final game of the first half of the season, and then you got to really uh, you got to travel and, and work on all kinds of stuff. So, Garrett, thank you so much for your time. Uh, enjoy uh, the, the uh, All-Star game and uh, everything that goes along with it, and we look forward to talking to you soon and uh, finding out how everything went matt thank you sir i hope i didn't take up too much of your time too i know you got a bunch of things to do but i'm always happy to join you and thanks for all that you do not just for for the brewers but for the minor league guys as well uh, i really appreciate it garrett green joining us here on brewers extra news the podcast powered by wtmj mobile let's look at the next week brewers are in a tough stretch a really really tough stretch here moving forward as uh they just don't have a whole lot of off days between now and the all-star break they play every game this upcoming week. They are going to wrap up 
their three-city road trip by playing three games in San Diego against the Padres on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Then they are back home for an extended homestand beginning on Thursday night. That will start with a four-game series against the Reds, and then next week they'll be welcoming in uh, both the uh, Mariners and the Pirates. So uh, that's what's going to be coming up moving forward. As always, you can hear all the action of uh, Brewers games on 620 WTMJ. Do want to remind you about uh, our new program for nights that the Brewers start at uh, 7 o'clock is 7, 7.05, 7.10. We do Brewers warm-up now from 6 to 630, 635, 640, depending on when the network broadcast takes over. And I host that, and then I come back with Brewers extra innings after the game. So a chance for you to hear some pregame conversation on WTMJ uh, prior to games. Do want to say thank you to my guest once again, Kalisneski from uh, Brew Crew Ball, and also uh, Garrett Green from the Biloxi Shuckers. And we look forward to talking to you again next week with another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.